Well, good morning, everyone. I'm Pastor Allen. We're in a series called He's Still Got the Whole World in His Hands, and today's topic is hope. And there doesn't seem to be a lot of hope around these days, and so that's why we want to address it today. Uh, I want to start with something we haven't done in a long time, is we're going to try and memorize a scripture verse together. It's Psalm 33, 22. So we'll put that up on the screen. And so... If you're home or if you're here in present, I'll read it and then we can read it together. It says, let your unfailing love surround us, Lord, for our hope is in you alone. Let's say it together. Let your unfailing love surround us, Lord, for our hope is in you alone. All right, we're going to say it one more time together and then we're going to take it off the screen and see if we can say it. All right. Let your unfailing love surround us, Lord, for our hope is in you alone. All right, so take it off the screen. <laughs> Can we do it together? Let your unfailing love surround us, Lord, for our hope is in you alone. Good job. So, uh, we'll come back to that at the end, so we see if you remember it when we get to the end. Uh, so we have this tension. How do we remain hopeful in a hopelessly broken world? Now, you may say, not think the world is hopelessly broken, but according to Scripture, it is. And if you're not a Jesus follower, uh, that's fine, but you know there's a lot of brokenness in this world. COVID is a broken health issue. Uh, so how? How can you remain hopeful in a hopelessly broken world? I'm sure all of us at some point in our lives we have put our hope or trust uh, or depended on someone or something that eventually came crashing down. Uh, it might have been something really serious, like you were married and walked down that aisle, and then some years later, that spouse decided they didn't want to be uh, till death do us part. And so your life came crashing down that way. It could be job-related. You had this job, and you're planning to sp spend the rest of your career there. Maybe expecting getting promotions, and either you didn't get the promotion, somebody else got the promotion, or uh, you didn't last there, either because the company didn't want you to last there, or you decided to go somewhere else. Um, and, you know, I know for, for a year I was unemployed. You, 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 your world seems to crash, come crashing down when you don't have employment. Maybe something more specific, like you had some kind of uh, sports ability. And maybe you even got a scholarship to college, and then maybe you weren't as good as you thought you were or they thought you were, or maybe you got an injury and your world came crashing down in that respect. And there's a lot of things just beyond our control. Uh, a lot of people, election day, thought the world came crashing down, depending on what your political views are. Um, you get a report from the doctor, and it seems like your world comes crashing down. A lot of these things are beyond our control, aren't they? We can't control COVID. We can't control uh, the stock market. We can't control the government, et cetera, et cetera. Many of, us, many of us have had children. You spend, well, all your lives pouring into them, but the, especially the first 18 years, and then they get in the wrong crowd and they make some bad decisions. And as a parent, you know, your world just seems to be come crashing down. So how? How do we remain hopeful in a hopelessly broken world? And as I put up on the screen last week, why? 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 Why even try? Why did I, you know, pour my life into my kids? 
why try and, you know, save money and work hard all my lives and get to retirement and, you know, I don't have enough to live on and I have to continue work past retirement age. Uh, why? why? Why try in school? <laughs> A lot of kids don't seem to be trying very hard. Uh, why? So we're talking about hope, so let's give you a definition of hope. Here's the one we're going to use. A person or thing in which our expectations are centered. So obviously hope is about something in the future. Uh, we don't hope for things we already have. Uh, we didn't hope we can come to church this morning. Those of us who are here, we're already here. Uh, so this is some expectation about the future. A person or thing in our expect, well, which our expectations are centered. Now, I'm going to give you a visual to kind of illustration to kind of help us uh, figure this out. <clears throat> so I'm going to use the analogy that hope is like a ladder that we lean against a wall. Now most of us have done that. I've got a ladder behind me. I leaned it against the wall. It will not, in the state it is now, it will not stand up by itself. It has to be leaned against a wall. Now, hopefully the wall is secure enough that I climb that ladder. The ladder doesn't fall. Uh, otherwise, we wouldn't try and put the ladder there. So just as that ladder has to lean against our wall, our hope leans against something. Now, we don't think about it, but as a child, your, your, your ladder's leaning against your parents. You're trusting your parents to feed you and clothe you and house you and make good decisions for you, etc. As you grow and mature and grow into adulthood, eventually that ladder moves to you, doesn't it? So you provide your own housing and food and clothing, and you make your own decisions, hopefully good decisions. <clears throat> but when bad things happen, whether it's relationally, vocationally, health-wise, economy, government, whatever, <clears throat> uh, where is our ladder leaning? It doesn't seem like a secure place when things are going bad, does it? So opposite of hope is hopeless or hopelessness. So let me give you the opposite definition. The feeling that comes with knowing that the person or thing I place my hope, that I wish I placed my hope, will not or cannot come through. Unfortunately, some of you have been divorced. And so you walked down that aisle and said, death do us part. And one of you decided, or both of you decided, no. <laughs> uh, you will not or could not continue that relationship. Uh, we just celebrated 44 years of marriage. I've never experienced that, but some of you have. I'm thankful for, for the long-term marriage I've had. Uh, maybe it's retirement. Maybe you plan, and I forget the statistic, I think it's about half the people that reach retirement age have to continue to work past that because either they didn't plan well or maybe their, their um, retirement fund, something happened to it or whatever it might be, or they mismanaged it, or whatever it might be. Uh, you're putting out hope, and when I retire, I'll have enough money to live comfortably, and it's just not true. So we put hope in people, we put hopes in Finances, we put hope in the government. Uh, you put hope anyplace. <clears throat> but hopelessness comes when wherever I put that, lean my ladder, wherever I place my hope, will not or cannot come through. So what do you do? 
How do you continue to hope in that situation? Well, for those of us who are Jesus followers that believe in this book and believe in the Bible, the Bible instructs us very clearly what we need to do. And it was in that verse we memorized earlier. Now, <clears throat> if you're not a Jesus follower, we're glad that you're here, we're glad that you're watching. Uh, hopefully this will be an encouragement to you, especially if you're feeling hopeless. So the Bible instructs us to put our hope in God. And it's all through, like I said, we're going to look at, look at something a guy by the name of Paul wrote. But another thing he wrote, he wrote to um, a guy named Timothy. He said, make sure you tell your people not to put their trust in their wealth. And that's a problem we have in U.S. <laughs> Christianity. A lot of us tend to put our trust in our money or our wealth. Another thing is we kind of move our ladder around. <laughs> All right. So if you've been married twice, you've done that, right? You've moved your ladder from your first marriage to your second marriage partner. Um, one job, you moved it to another job. Um, maybe you've changed religions. Maybe it was in this religion, you put your, moved your ladder to another religion. <clears throat> Realism, it's hard for us as Americans because our lives are pretty good, especially pro, pre-COVID. Pre you know, we worked hard, we made enough money, we have a comfortable living, got good doctors, uh, good educational systems, uh, Life's pretty good. So we put our ladder against, you know, medical doctors put our ladder against our economy. We put our ladders all over the place until something happens like COVID. And it affects everything. It affects relationships. It affects the church. It affects the government. It affects the economy. It affects people's health, obviously. Now, we like to think we have control. I have control of my retirement. I have control of my relationship. Reality is we don't have control, very, we have very little. But when we lean our ladder against some other wall other than God, what we're saying is that's trustworthy. We think that's trustworthy, which means that when God says this world <laughs> is uh, hopelessly broken and we're going to see the word decay come up in a few minutes, uh, we don't really believe what God says. In fact, when I lead my ladder against, say, my retirement fund, I'm saying, God, I'm leaning my ladder here. Uh, you bless it. <laughs> you make sure that's a good decision. Uh, or whatever else you might put that ladder. Certainly when you marry someone, you, you do that. So, let me just say it this way. It's the bad news before the good news. We're going to look at the scripture, and the, it's going to be the bad news before the good news. Uh, certainly in life, there's bad news before good news. Uh, this world is broken, um, which means something is broken is not secure. You don't want to put your ladder against a broken wall. You don't want to trust in a broken automobile to take you somewhere. Uh, so brokenness doesn't bring about security or hope. So Paul, we're going to look at Romans chapter 8. And we, we're going to look at part of it. We could spend months dissecting Romans chapter 8. It's very deep. Uh, but we're going to focus on this concept of hope as we look at it. We'll skip some verses. You can go back and look at them later. Hopefully you will. Good thing to do. So we're going to start in verse 20. <clears throat> Against its will, all creation, that means you and I, all mankind, all animal kingdom, all the plant kingdom, <laughs> rocks, everything. Against its will, all creation 
was subjected to God's curse. Uh, we call that sin. because all the way back to the Garden of Eden, if you believe in that. <laughs> Most of us do. Some of us do. That everything, as a result of sin, turning our backs on God, everything is broken. Hopelessly broken. Uh, can't be fixed. <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> it's not okay. <laughs> Life is not okay. In fact, Bible describes sin as a disease, just like COVID. COVID had affected, every, infected everybody, but this disease of sin has infected everybody. The other thing is it's fatal to everybody. So we all have a fatal disease called sin. And that's no secret. Everybody, believe in God or not, know that once you're born, you're going to die. Everything that, that once lives eventually dies. That is the curse. Uh, if you watch The Lion King, you can think of it the circle of life. <laughs> Those that are Jesus followers, we, we believe in it uh, a little bit differently. Another translation used of the word frustration. It's, all creation is <laughs> subject to God. It's frustration. Uh, none of us like the fact that we get sick and eventually going to die. Nobody likes that. We're all frustrated. Anytime you and I get frustrated with anything, it's because of the sinfulness in this world, that nothing's perfect and people make bad decisions, et cetera, et cetera. So think of that, about that the next time you get frustrated with someone or something. When my car works, I don't get frustrated with it. <laughs> it's only when it's not working right, I get frustrated with it. So with that backdrop, that kind of negativity, if you want to call it that, Paul goes on. Trying to follow the, the, the logic. But with eager hope, there's our word. Well, wait a minute. We just talked about that. everything's cursed. Where, where, where is hope coming from? Well, the creation looks forward to the day when it will join God's children in a glorious freedom from death and decay. Okay, so it looks bad now, but there's something better coming. There's something better in the future. There's going to be end of death. There's going to be end of decay. Now, this is simple, especially for us that are getting older, to understand decay. I just had a birthday. We just had a wedding anniversary. And then you bring up these pictures from five years ago and ten years ago. And then you look at that, and then you look at yourself in a mirror. What do you see? Decay. I see decay. I don't look like I used to look. Uh, and it's not better. <laughs> decay usually doesn't look better. Uh, that's decay. We all understand it. And I know from personal experience, I work hard at fighting against decay. Most of you know I have a pretty strict diet. I have a, you know, I do goofy exercise. You know, I run a lot on the trail. Most people wouldn't do that. I'm fighting, what I'm doing is fighting decay, but it's still a losing battle, isn't it? And you think of, I don't know, the most spiritual people, most religious people you can think of. I thought of Mother Teresa first. Godly, godly woman. She died in 1997. She didn't beat it, did she? She didn't win the battle. Billy Graham lived in his 90s. He died a few years ago. Nobody beats these eyes, but we think we can. And even people that have been happily married for 50, 60 years, and you see them walking hand in hand, you say, oh, isn't that great? I hope I, I get to that place one day. Eventually, one of them gets sick. And tragically, some of them times it's Alzheimer's. 
And eventually they get to the place, it's sad, it's decay, that brain is decaying, and that one person doesn't know the other that they've spent the last 50 or 60 years ago. So that is because of sin. And then he goes on, he says, for we know that all creation, and he uses an interesting word, is groaning. You don't think about the rocks groaning and trees groaning, but he says all creation is groaning as the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Ladies, you understand it, us guys don't. <laughs> uh, but that's pretty severe from what they tell me. And I watched my wife four times. <laughs> uh, she got pretty angry with me, frustrated with me when I was talking to her when she was going through that, that pain. When I was trying to encourage her, <laughs> sometimes it didn't come off that way. Um, so up to the present time, that's the situation in the world. And we that are believers, or Jesus followers, also groan. Why are we groaning? Even though we have the Holy Spirit within us as a foretaste of future glory. I think this is really interesting. We have the Holy Spirit. We've got this little taste. You know, my wife will be cooking something. She said, taste this. And when I get a taste, it's really good. I'm thinking, wow, I can't wait till I get uh, eat lots of it. Well, we just have a taste because we still are in this decaying, sinful world. So all we have a taste of this future uh, time when there will be no more death and decay. And we long for our bodies to be released from sin and suffering. Especially now when things are really crazy. We just have this longing for something better when, it, when COVID's over and things are going to be better. So anytime we put our ladder against the wrong wall, which would be any wall other than God, what we're saying, I can beat the odds. God, I can do this on my own. <laughs> I put that, the ladder on me. I'm, I, I, I'm going to beat these odds. I'm going to live to be 100 and, well, live forever. Well, no, I'm not. I was reading a, um, um, uh, a longevity jevity study. I read these things. I think they're interesting. And a lot of them are pretty similar. But this one was pretty interesting. This one lady lived to be 106. She still died, but she lived to be 106. She said, <laughs> uh, lady, obviously, she said, uh, stay away from men. <laughs> that was her secret to living 106. <laughs> Most studies say marriage produces longevity. But this lady, her, her opinion was, uh, stay away from men. But anyway, Scripture goes on. We, too, wait all right, we're in waiting time. With eager, again, that's that word, eager, hope for a day when God will give us our full rights as His adopted children, including new bodies He has promised us. I was trying to think of an illustration. It was kind of like you, we would adopt a child and said, okay, you're, you have to stay in this one room. You can't have the whole house, and you can't eat with us. We'll bring food to you, and we're only going to bring you enough food to keep you alive. We're not going to give you a lot of food, and... Uh, eventually it will let you become truly part of the family. All right, so we're, that child would eagerly wait for the day where he gets to come out of the room and join the family and have as much to eat as possible. So that, that's us. <laughs> we're waiting for the time when we have these new bodies and I can look in the mirror and I don't see decay. And we're going to live forever. I think about it like this way. It's a kind of a down payment. Anybody ever sold something to someone and they gave you a, a down payment? Say, okay, I, I'll buy this car from you. I'll give you $5,500 now, and I'll give you $200 a month until it's paid off. All right, so we just had this down payment. We just had this taste. So we're eagerly anticipating all the money coming in or this new body, uh, no decay. <clears throat> now, he goes on. We were given this hope. 
All right. I didn't manufacture it. You and I can't manufacture hope. We are given this hope when we were saved. That salvation is described when we understand that we are separated from God by our sin for our wrongfulness and that we need to be forgiven. And the only way we be forgiven is to accept the gift of Jesus Christ. When we accept that gift, we uh, reconnect with God. We receive what we call salvation. So that's when we receive this hope. Because salvation starts then, but it goes on forever. So if we already have something, we don't need to hope for it. So I don't, I, I, I'm saved, so I don't need to hope for salvation, but I hope from the time when sin and decay will be over. But if we look forward to something we don't have yet, which we don't have that yet, we must wait, and here's two words, patiently and confidently. Now, we're not really good at the patient thing, are we? Patiently thing. Um, you know, why people go on credit card debt? Because they can't wait until <laughs> they have the money to buy something. And when, we're, when, when you're kids, uh, you can't wait. I mean, Christmas, I don't know, I, I never did that. Did you ever sneak downstairs <laughs> or upstairs or out in the living room and look at presents before, you know, your parents got up? You know, you can't wait, right? Uh, coming up in a couple of weeks. And, but with confidence. Now, simple question, does God keep his promises? Silly question, right? He cannot lie. He cannot not keep his promise. So, it's secure. We can be confident. We've just got to be patient. Next couple of verses talk about how the Holy Spirit helps us, even in our groanings, even in our prayer life. Uh, you can read those verses for yourself. And then 828, we've looked at each week, says this, and we know, hopefully you know, not just intellectually, but ex experientially, that God causes everything to work together for good. Not everything's good, but God can bring good from it. Not for everybody, but for those who are Jesus followers or love God. And notice that are called according to his purpose for them. So <clears throat> it works together for good, not necessarily for your happiness. That's not what it says. It works out for the good of God's purpose. We talked about Joseph before. Man, he wasn't very happy for the 17 years of his life. He was happy lady, later, um, but it was for God's purpose. So, and then he gets, in this This kind of the transition to the positive side. <clears throat> and these last couple, few verses are uh, pretty familiar, those of you who've been around church for a while. What shall we say about such wonderful things as these? What, wait a minute, we're talking about decay and, and death. No, uh, got the Holy Spirit, we've got a little taste. If God is for us, not meaning maybe he is, maybe he isn't. He is, so if he is, <laughs> who can ever be against us? There's an old expression, you and God make a majority. That's wrong. God's a majority on his own. He doesn't need you or, or I. So he's a majority. You're joining the majority, an all-powerful majority. So who could be against you? And he's going to give us illustrations here in a minute. Now, Basically, he's saying God's on our side. How do we know God's on our side? Well, he's going to tell us how we know. Since he, God, did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. Won't he also give us everything else? So there's no greater proof that God's on our side that he sacrificed his most precious thing, his only son, so that we could have a relationship with him. So we can be confident in a time of patience or waiting. 
<clears throat> then he goes on in more detail. Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Once you enter that saving relationship with God, is there anything that can break it? God to, God to leave you, or be separated from you. Anything from Christ's love. Does it mean, for example, he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity? <laughs> Definitely have that, don't we? Or persecuted, or hungry, or destitute. Most of us aren't there. Danger, or threatened with death. I guess COVID is a, a threatening of death and of one sort. So the question is, can anything separate, can anything separate it from the love of Christ? Uh, one thing about this, uh, when we go through difficulty, when we go through suffering times, the positive of that, if you will, is that we get to experientially identify, uh, just a little, a taste again, what Christ experienced for us. He suffered horribly for us. When we suffer, yeah, I get a little taste of that. And he answers the question, it's kind of a rhetorical question, because the answer is what? <laughs> uh, of course not, No. <laughs> No, nothing can ever separate us. So he goes on, no, despite all these things, whether things are good or bad, in this case he's used a list of bad things, despite all these things, not just victory, but overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loves us. I like sports, I watch football, and you know, sometimes the games are won by a little bit, last second. Other times, you know, a couple games I was watching yesterday, I turn them off because it, it was overwhelming victory for one of the teams or the others. So those of us who are saved in a saving relationship with God through Jesus Christ, despite what's going on in the world, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loves us. We should have this uh, overwhelming hope <laughs> because of God's love for us. Then he goes on and says, and I'm convinced, all right, without a shadow of a doubt, that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. And he gets into some kind of weird categories. Neither death nor life. Okay, so absent from the body, present with the Lord. So I understand that. Neither angels nor demons. I don't think angels would try to hinder us. Demons maybe. Neither our fears for today or our worries about tomorrow. Now that's a category we all can relate to. Probably. <clears throat> and then not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. Don't need to worry about it. I got thinking there's a lot about superhero movies and stuff around, right? So I, I interpret what he says that we're all superheroes. <laughs> Not because of us, but because of the power of God in us. He's producing superheroes in us. And he goes on, no power in the sky above or earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God revealed to us Christ Jesus, our Lord. So that pretty much includes everything, doesn't it? So what's it mean? That you and I can have hope in a hopelessly broken world. It means that we can be secure, that we don't need to have fear for the day and worries about tomorrow. And if we do, we have our ladder against the wrong wall, and we need to move it to God's wall. So, that's the next question on your outline. What does that mean in the meantime? You and I don't lose hope 
because, we, because your hope or our hope wasn't here to begin with. As Jesus follows, our hope isn't anything temporary, not anything uh, physically around us. Uh, it's all decaying. It's all, everything's going to die. Let me use another word here. <laughs> steady. You and I can be steady in the midst of any kind of turmoil in this world because our hope wasn't here to begin with. So here's my question for you. So where are you leaning your ladder? Where are you leaning your ladder? It's in the government, in your uh, financial accumulation, money and the stuff money can buy? Is it in people? If it's something that you are lacking hope or something that you are hope, feeling hopelessly about, move your ladder. Transfer it. Transfer it to the only place that is truly secure. Right? There's no security in this world. Only place is security. So before we put it up on the screen, do you remember the verse from earlier, Psalm 33? I'll give you the first word. Let. Somebody already knew it. Okay. Let what? Your unfailing love surround us, Lord, for our hope is in you alone. I pray that is your testimony, your belief here this morning. If not, we'd encourage you to make that. And let me pray with you. Think about first. Figure out where your ladder's leaning, and we move them all back and forth. You know, right now, this minute, I might be leaning on, on God's love wall, if you want to call it that. But, you know, <laughs> we might be moving it back someplace else. The question is, when you figure out where it's leaning, is it secure or will it disappoint you? And if it does, move it. Move it again back to God's love wall. Let me pray with you. Father God, thank you. <clears throat> we thank you that we can have security in a hopelessly broken world. It sounds kind of... Uh, strains, but we can because actually our hope isn't in anything in this world. It's in you and your love for us. Your love that you proved beyond a shadow of a doubt by sending your son Jesus to die for us. So we want to pray for anybody that, 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 that doesn't feel secure, that doesn't have hope right now. Their ladder is against something else. That they would have the understanding and the, and the, uh, the courage and the faith to put their ladder on you. Accept your gift of salvation, God, to receive forgiveness and to, to supply hope against things in this world or even in, in the spiritual world. We are overwhelming victorious. We are superheroes in Christ Jesus. And if you're not a Jesus follower, you too. Uh, when God adopts you into his family, he isn't hesitant about that. He's fully adoptions, even though we have to wait for heaven to be free from decay. And God, I thank you. Every time now I look at a ladder or look in a mirror, I'm going to think, oh, <laughs> there's decay, but my ladder's leaning against you. We thank you for your promises because we know you can't lie to us so we can be steady, we can be secure. Give us patience um, to get through the difficulties that we do face. And we thank you in the precious name of Jesus. In his name we pray, amen.